How much control did Stalin have over filmmaking in the Soviet Union? We assume that it was total control. It's an easy mistake to make, says Maria Belodubrovskaya in this episode of 1869, the Cornell University Press podcast. Belodubrovskaya is assistant professor of film in the Department of Communication Arts at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. In her new book, Not According to Plan, Filmmaking Under Stalin, she asserts that although Stalin wanted a Soviet Hollywood with an industrialized filmmaking process, what he got instead was artists exerting their own influence and control. Well, welcome, Maria. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. So I was I was going through your book in preparation, and uh, you know sometimes first lines don't grab you, but you have this fantastic quote, uh, literally in the first line of of the book, that. Um, uh, Vladimir Lenin once said, of all the arts for us, the most important is cinema. And I was just really right. struck by that. And I thought, well, tell us about that. Is, is that where this comes? Is that where your book comes from? Is that why this is important? You know, use that as the as the starting point. Yeah, absolutely. So this, this phrase that Lenin said that for us, the Bolsheviks, the cinema is the most important of the arts is the most famous quote in the history of Soviet cinema, period. And what's interesting about it is that my research has led me to the conclusion that cinema was not the most important of the arts, certainly not for Stalin. The most important of the arts or the most important of the media was uh, literature and the written word. And so part of what I'm trying to untangle in my book is, on the one hand, you have this kind of a policy statement or an intention that says cinema is the most important for us and we're going to invest in it and we're going to... Uh, harness it for our purposes. We're going to go to make it into a propaganda uh, industry, right? But in reality, what you see is that that never happened. That that never became cinema. Never became the propaganda medium that they imagined. And so my question was: Given that we're dealing with Stalin and the Stalinist regime, which we consider to be a totalitarian regime, which controlled so much of culture and information that was happening in the country. How is it possible that when you actually look at the performance of the film industry during the Stalin period, the performance is pretty unimpressive as far as the party state's interests are concerned. And that is true both qualitatively, so whether these films are propaganda films, and quantitatively, whether this was a mass-producing propaganda industry. Neither one of, on either one of these counts this was a very successful uh, project. So that, was the, that is the starting point of my book. It's just kind of a controversial idea that it never actually was the most important of the arts. So that's fascinating. I mean, you, you know, I had, I'm writing down notes here as I'm going along, and, and of course my first question, it, which you ended up speaking to, is so why didn't it happen? I mean, what, what led... Uh, Stalin to say, you know, this is going to be that important, but then never, it never went that way in your mind. Why did literature become yeah. more important, uh, a, a more important industry? Yeah, so the reasons are both historical and ideological. So historical, which it has to do with 
timing, or what were the historical circumstances at the time, and ideological, which is what ideas inform Stalin's decisions as far as, as far as we can tell. And so historically what happened was that the project to transform the Soviet film industry into a mass-producing communist Hollywood was on the table when 1936 happened. And in 1936, Stalin issued a new constitution that announced that socialism had been achieved and that it had been achieved in one state, the Soviet Union, and the state needed protection. It was also in 1936, as historians tell us, that Stalin realized that the war in Europe was inevitable and decided that major powers such as France, England, and eventually the United States will not take Soviet Union's side in this European war. So he basically decided that he had to protect this communist state, this uniformed, fledgling communist state, from oppression from the outside. And this led to what we know to be Stalin's great terror and all the associated policies, where Stalin decided that he once and for all needed to rid the new country off of all potential internal enemies as well that might betray him in the future conflict in Europe or in the world. The net of the potential enemies, internal enemies, was cast, as we know, very widely. And it included anything and anyone who propagated Western ideas or said that the West was capable of doing something better than the Soviet Union. Now, the Soviet Hollywood project, or the project to reform the Soviet film industry to be like Hollywood and to mass-produce films, and this project was going to put Soviet cinema on the path to mass industrial production of hundreds of films per year, that was a Western idea. It was borrowing a model from the West. And so Stalin did not object when the man responsible for the Soviet Hollywood idea, uh, who was Boris Shumatsky, the Minister of Cinema at the time, Stalin did not object when Boris Shumatsky was arrested and eventually executed. And when once that happened, the Soviet Hollywood project died as a result. So it is quite possible that, as I said previously, cinema simply was not very important for Stalin. And so in 1936-1937, facing the European war, he simply had no interest or no resources to undertake a major reform project of the industry that wasn't even that important. But I think the, the fact that the idea to reform the Soviet film industry was based on an American or Western model and not on a homegrown approach of some sort, that had a lot to do with why he abandoned the whole reform project. Hmm. So in a sense, uh, cinema was too Western. It would have been. Right, right. The fact that they wanted to do it based on the Hollywood model was not something that he supported. So what model was uh, eventually uh, integrated? So the model that uh, he integrated uh, was basically going in the opposite direction. So if Stalin had gone forward with the Hollywood project, he would have, um, it would have necessitated training an army, seriously, an army of screenwriters and directors to, who would make these thousands of films, well, hundreds of films, really not. They were thinking always about a thousand films is what they wanted. And 
these new, you know, cadres might have been, or likely would have been, more loyal to the regime and better at producing propaganda. So instead, Stalin does the opposite. He decides to invest in the talent that is already making films. So he decided to promote the filmmakers, the filmmaking elite, and give directors who already were working in the industry uh, more power to make films, eventually to govern themselves, and to censor themselves. So directors were soon, this is about 1940, um, they were appointed artistic heads of studios. So they were essentially appointed to be primary decision makers on all matters of film production. They also served on various advisory committees, and they were also supposed to carry censorship functions. So he, instead of going for many new filmmakers who can do what he wants, he promotes uh, a very small group of successful filmmakers who have made films in the past. Now, why is he doing that? So, Stalin's assumption was, as I understand it, that the film directors motivated, motivated to govern and censor themselves would eventually produce the right content. Now, he was mistaken about that, but I think that was his idea. He also, and that is one of the ideological reasons behind this decision-making, he wanted to uh, support the impression internationally that filmmakers in the Soviet Union had creative freedom, freedom and that they were working for the regime willingly. But what happened as a result of this policy of promoting uh, already successful filmmakers and not creating a new army of new filmmakers was that it produced a highly entitled group of film directors. Film directors who maintained authority, basically, and expected to maintain authority and authorship over their films. Hmm. So, and this authority, yes, yeah, so just to finish this up, and this authority, it was not just a matter of attitude or some kind of a mental idea that they are entitled to their films. This authority was actually entrenched in how film production was organized institutionally, uh, even technologically. So throughout the Stalin period, because there was no reform, film directors were uh, in charge of their projects from the beginning to the end. So they found some projects for themselves, they found screenplays for themselves often, and they were always in charge of the final cut. So there are no producers in this system, and if censors ask for revisions to a film, it's the director himself or herself who institutes the revision. And there was a way of dealing with revisions such that you don't actually do everything that is asked of you, or better yet, you simply ignore what you've been told by censors, and you go up to a higher place by showing your film to some party um, uh, individual, or maybe to Stalin himself, and completely avoid the censors. So, is so this... He had, so, instead of having a mass-producing uh, group of people who uh, were, um, you know, who were among whom all filmmaking... Um, tasks were divided, he had a very small group of very entitled filmmakers who did everything. So is this a, and a, that was a, a yeah. case of, I mean, I when I think of Stalin, I don't necessarily think of somebody um, who is uh, told no very often, but it sort of almost yeah. sounds like you're, you're speaking about 
him having to deal with uh, this entitled group, is, was it almost sort of a trying to find a balance uh, between control and the artistic expression of uh, an artistic yeah. form? Is that kind of what you're right. describing? That is, that is the case. And one of the arguments is that you always need to look at who the filmmakers are. So in Stalin's case, the reason that that balance between control and creative freedom shifted towards creative freedom or non-production is because the group of filmmakers he was working with were not propagandists. These were artists, they were intellectual, traditional intellectuals, and they cared about the art of cinema uh, and about how other filmmakers, what other filmmakers, including internationally, thought of their films as artistic products, much more than they cared about the politics and ideology of the regime. So he was simply working with a group that was not uh, going to produce propaganda for him. Hmm. Fascinating. All right, so in a nutshell, kind of what's the big... I mean, is that the big lesson to take away from this, or is there another one that we can, you know, sort of the uh, the the big takeaway? So, the, what what I, what I say about the book, the way I describe the book, is that it's a new history of Stalin era filmmaking, and what I mean by uh, new is that it is based on new information, specifically new archival documents from Soviet film practitioners, administrators, and studios, the documents that have always been around but were not accessible to researchers because the Soviet Union was a uh, closed country. So now they have been published, they are now accessible, and so if you look at these documents, you see a picture that is different from what we assumed. When I started writing the book, I also, like everyone else, thought that the film industry was completely centrally controlled by Stalin. Uh, my only questions were, if that was the case, why are the films so good? <laughs> or if that is the case, why did they keep making films and then banning them? Which is very costly and inefficient, right? Why couldn't they close films early in the production process? Why did they have to wait until the whole process of production uh, has happened? So it's two years sometimes. And only then find out that the film was so inappropriate politically that it had to be banned. And finally, my final question was, why did the industry recover so quickly after Stalin died? And the answer is, it's because the Soviet film industry was just not structured or not organized, not equipped to produce propaganda films on a mass scale. This had to do with the film director, the status of the film director, and the, uh, the sort of mode of, what would we, what we call in uh, industry studies, the mode of production. So everything was structured such that the director had creative control over every aspect of production. Hmm. Wow. So, yeah. No, it, it's it's uh, it, it's certainly f f food for thought, and as you say, you know, uh, un um, uncovering new information is going to always change the paradigm. But this is this is fascinating. So, uh, Maria, I really appreciate you taking uh, taking a moment to to open our eyes to uh, filmmaking under Stalin, and uh, yeah, thank you very much. Absolutely, you're very welcome. That was Maria Bello Dubrovskaya author of Not According to Plan, Filmmaking Under Stalin. If you visit cornellpress.cornell.edu and enter 09POD at the checkout, you can get 30% off of Maria's book. You've been listening to 1869, the Cornell University Press podcast.